0: Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al-Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines.
1: And now, your host, Al-Fadi. Hello, everyone. This is Al-Fadi, and I want to welcome you to uh, the Part two of our podcast, Let Us Reason, uh, our continuation with talk, uh, uh, our talk, I should say, with uh, Brother David Wood. Last week, we talked about the International Women's Day and how uh, the teaching of the Prophet of Islam, his model, actually contradicts most of what this movement stands for. But we also ventured into other things related to Islam and the character of the Prophet of Islam uh, right now, which is part two of our live stream and also part two of the podcast. will be a continuation of the same theme with me here, of course, in studio, our dear brother, David Wood. David, thank you so much again for uh, being with us here for this part two. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a number of videos. One was The Psychology of Muhammad. We talked also about the uh, the challenges that Islam raises, um, and you summarized it in three ways. You said Islam uh, raises a challenge against Christianity, Islam raises a challenge for Muslims who are seeking the truth, and Islam raises a challenge for the world. Um, what are some of the highlights of these challenges that you would like maybe to uh, emphasize?
0: Oh, well, uh, uh, yeah, basically... Um We are focusing on the challenges and then what is a what is a biblical response to the challenge? And so um, Islam contradicts the gospel on fundamental teachings. Uh, So, in in fact, it's 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 a little too perfect. Right. When it gets pointed out that Islam agrees with us on a lot. Islam agrees with us that God created the world, that God has sent prophets into the world that Jesus is born of a virgin, that Jesus performed all kinds of miracles, that Jesus is going to return. They agree with us that Jesus is the Messiah. They agree with us on all these things. And yet, we're told in the Bible what the core of the gospel is and that false prophets are going to come and lead people away from that. And then Muhammad comes along and says, hey, you Christians, you, you believe in God. You believe in prophets. You believe Jesus is born of a virgin. You believe in his miracles. You believe he's the Messiah. You believe he's coming back. I agree with all those things and the things that he rejects just happen to be the core teachings of the gospel right islam says jesus didn't die on the cross for sins didn't rise from the dead and he's not lord but you look at the book of acts that's what his followers said was the core of the gospel and so um we look at that and what's the it's very simple what's the appropriate christian response to islam denying these core teachings well it's it's in the bible it's it's apologetics so you have those kinds of issues then we we also talked about um Muslims possibly having to give up their families, their families might turn their backs on them. And that's part of the challenge that Islam presents to Muslims who might consider uh, the gospel that they understand they have to they have to give up their families and they don't want to bring shame upon their parents and things like that. And so we pointed out a a biblical response to that, which is even if you have to give up your earthly family for some reason, they're going to turn their backs on you or something like that. You get a much bigger family. You get a much bigger family in the church. And then the, the final challenge would be that Islam calls for the violent subjugation of the entire world. And we could actually, we could actually connect Islam's teachings about women and the, and the impact um, that it has on women. Because uh, regarding that last challenge in the video, we talked about part of the response would be, again, apologetics and polemics. It would be, guys, these teachings are not true. We can refute Muhammad, so you shouldn't be basing your lives and building your societies based on his teachings when he's clearly a false prophet. Here are the reasons that he's a false prophet. Here are the reasons you shouldn't be listening to it. That's part of the response. But another part of the response is, uh, even for people who reject all of that, uh, we see the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 25 uh, say to the Roman leader, if I haven't done anything wrong, no one has a right to hand me over, hand me over for punishment. And so this is the Apostle Paul saying that governments have been instituted uh, in order to protect people's rights. And so I think even there we can say, look, governments need to be protecting the rights of human beings. And so if women's rights are being trampled upon and violated, uh, we can not only we we not only refute whatever's causing that abuse. We can actually call on call on leaders. And in, in this context, it wouldn't just refer to, like, government leaders, but, hey, you're, you're the leader of a woman's organization. You've got a voice. Guess what? You should be speaking out for people in these situations, not, not, just, right. not, just, not just people here in the United States, not just people in Canada, not just women in, uh, in Great Britain or Europe, not just women over here. You should be speaking out for women in Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and in, in Iran and so
1: on. Uh, Neda, th- thank you so much. We have uh, uh, one of our friends here, Benjamin White. He's asking about the uh, top books that you can recommend for apologetics. I know you've done uh, um, one video on that. Do you recall any of those books that you feel like people should have in the library? Did, did, was it apologetics in general or Islam? Uh, uh, That's a good question. I mean, uh, sometimes the word apologetics doesn't necessarily deal with Islam only. There is apologetics basically defending Christian doctrines. There is apologetics to Mormonism, apologetics to Jehovah's Witness, apologetics to Islam. So if you want to be more specific, uh, Benjamin, but uh, for now, uh, start with the ones that you feel like people should have in the library.
0: Uh, You definitely want to get Greg Kokel's Tactics, which isn't so much. It's not the content. It's more about the approach. But the approach is kind of fundamental for most situations that people would find themselves in. Uh, So Greg Kokel's Tactics is an awesome book. Uh, For other stuff, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're interested in and what group you want to focus on and what level you want to focus at. Right. Because someone who wants to deal apologetics, dealing with biology professors or something like that. That's going to be a different kind of apologetics from someone who's doing street apologetics or something like that, or, or someone who's dealing uh, with Islam. Um, I would say this, regardless of what you're getting into, you should be able to defend the core of the gospel. So Jesus, death, resurrection, and deity. And so Lee Strobel's books, um, the case for Christ, mm-hmm. this case for Christ is good on the historical background for the evidence. Um, Gary Habermas and Mike Lacona's book, Um, The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus is good on the resurrection. Um on the deity of Christ, this is a li- this isn't this isn't really intro level. It's a little bit higher, but um Ed Komazewski and Rob Bowman putting Jesus in his place, awesome book on the deity of Christ. So those, and then something since since atheism is a is a is a rising movement um, something dealing with the existence of God, and that's kind of going to depend on what kind of arguments you want to use. If you want to use cosmological arguments or um, or design arguments or moral arguments, going to kind of depend on on what you're interested in there. If you want to if you want to study apologetics dealing with Islam, which I'm sure that's a lot of you there. Uh, I've made a video on on my top five, but uh, you definitely want to probably start with um, with Nabil's with first book. So Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, because it's, you know, it's, it's easy to read, but still gives you a lot of the content. And then after that, probably, Answering Islam
1: by Norm Geisler and Abdul Salib. Right, right. So um, someone is asking me, I think Jack Nelson is asking, what is the number one verse in the Old Testament someone can use to defend the Trinity or Doctrine of Trinity? Brother Jack, I mean, there is no such thing as one verse. It's a doctrine. And I recommend that you go, for instance, and watch uh, the videos that I've done myself, called "The Doctrine of the Trinity." I've done videos also with Anthony Rogers, and there is a number of uh, passages in Old Testament uh, collectively can make a powerful case for the Trinity, just in Old Testament alone. Any comments on that, David? Um. Yeah
0: i also have a I also have videos by Anthony on my. On on my channel, if you go to to my X seventeen Apologetics channel on YouTube, um, and you go to the channel and you look up playlists, there's a playlist of videos by Anthony that are all on the Trinity in the Old Testament. Right. Um,
1: and let me just, I might wa- I might want to read one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, someone has mentioned, of course, uh, absolutely Answering Islam uh, in general, answering-islam.org, uh, Sam Chamon's blog. Uh, answering uh, Muslims, uh, dot com, right? You know, yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. you have some stuff in there. My own videos, like I said, on the Trinity. I've done it both in Arabic and in English. So so you have a variety uh, of, of these teachings out there. Anthony Rogers is powerful because it focuses only on Old Testament. Mine focuses on both Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, Sam Shimon, of course, does the same, yeah. and David also. Yeah,
0: so I, I was actually, because he, he asked for one verse, and you and I both, think, wait a minute, you know, there's not a lot you base on one verse, right? That's right. It's, it's, uh, this is something that, that unfolds. and um, But I was trying to think if I, if I wanted to go to one verse, if I wanted to go to one verse to kind of open open a discussion. And the first, I, you know, I was thinking, let us create man in, in, in our image. Uh, but then I was thinking Isaiah 48:16. Let me just read this to you. Uh, and I would encourage you to read uh, Isaiah chapter 48. Yeah, that's and then, a powerful one for and sure. And then pay special attention to verse 16. Isaiah forty-eight sixteen, Because in context, Yahweh is speaking. It's uh, God speaking. Exactly. Yahweh is speaking. And then Yahweh says this. Yahweh says, come near to me. Listen to this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me. And his spirit. Yeah, notice. So this is Yahweh speaking, and Yahweh says that he's been sent by the Lord Yahweh along with the spirit of Yahweh. So you've got God being sent by God along with the spirit of God. That's right. And so I wouldn't say that doesn't prove all of the doctrine of the Trinity. It should Key most people into, wait a minute, there's something going on here. There's something going on, and I really need to explore what the Bible says about, about this issue.
1: Absolutely. And of course, I mean, uh, there is uh, other pa- places where you see, um, uh, you know, the person of God is clearly in a person of the angel of the Lord. Uh, the person of God is clearly uh, demonstrated, for instance, in um, Genesis 19, when it says, and now the Lord... You know, uh, pour down sulfur and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the Lord in heaven, you know, with the punishment against uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So so there's a lot of uh, passages, I think, collectively, uh, Brother Jack, uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, it will be more helpful for you to do it that way than to take one verse. Because, you know, our Muslim friends they are going to tell you, well, that's one verse, you know, they're going to deny it. But you have to really build the argument uh, uh, in in a very powerful way for them. But again, may the Lord use you. Uh, as you're reaching out to maybe Muslims, maybe others. Hopefully, these resources that we mentioned to you will be beneficial to you. Again, I want to thank all of you who are joining us here in our live stream, Let Us Reason, but also in the podcast, Let Us Reason. Uh, brother, we have about maybe 10 minutes, give or take. Um, um, let's talk, uh, you know, a little bit more about maybe one quick example uh, about the psychology of Muhammad. Uh, we did a video on that. It was powerful. Um, you were actually using some psychological traits that are mentioned by a specific book, and how that clearly was demonstrated in the behavior of Muhammad. Can you think mm-hmm. of one maybe example?
0: Um, a- example of Muhammad's behavior,
1: uh, of what the psychologist says, for instance, yeah, so, about uh, you know yes. people who lose their fathers, you know the way they act.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is this is based on on studies of people who. Not people who just believe this or that and mind their own business, but the people who become more aggressive with it, people who are out there promoting and defending theism or people who are out promoting and defending atheism. And the correlation that he found, so this is Paul Witts in his book, uh, The Faith of the Fatherless. And the correlation that he found was that people who are aggressively atheistic and are trying to convert people to atheism and so on, they tend to have really messed up relationships with their father if they had a father at all that they that they remember so it 's either absent or abusive father generally, and the people who were the most prominent defenders of theism tended to have close relationships with with loving fathers and so he's a psychologist he's just trying to he's trying to understand the 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 uh, psychological connection, which isn 't something that he was putting forward to criticize atheists or something like that, he did it in a response to people like Sigmund Freud, who were saying that basically people believe in God because they need a sky daddy they never they never really grow up out of their need for a, a father protecting them, and so that 's where they come up with their with their idea for 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 that they need god um, so he 's kind of responding to that and saying let let 's get the actual Let's get the actual facts out there and see what the actual relationship is. And so the real takeaway is, if you want to tell people who believe in God, well, you just, you you've got daddy issues. Paul Vitz would say, no, actually, you got daddy issues too, right? If you if you are just going through the most prominent atheist of of recent generations, uh, there are some issues there. So anyway, the, the 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 reason we were talking about that, we weren't even we weren't really talking about theism versus atheism, We're talking about something he mentioned at the end of the book, which is that and this can actually tie into International Women's Day. Um, he ties it into uh, into events of the past by responding to a possible objection. The objection goes like this. The objection is, well, if there seems to be this correlation between having an, a father who abandoned you or a father who was abusive and becoming an atheist why is atheism such a recent development and in, in other words you don't find a lot of atheists down through history they're you know they're basically in the past two centuries other than that they're really really rare so why don't we see more atheists if because there have always been bad and abusive fathers and so on and what he says was because atheism is an option now that people can adopt if they have a certain psychology whereas in the past if you go back 3 or 400 years there's no atheist it's not a, it's not something that you would you would adopt as your belief But he says that what happens is that the same psychological uh, profile would be manifested in a different way before modern atheism came along. And he basically basically says people who have these traumatic childhood experiences where they lose fathers, they have abusive fathers, they're abandoned and so on, they tend to rebel against authority and tradition – to rise up against the traditions of their society. Um, they tend to have a problem with father figures, especially with viewing God as a heavenly father. So they might even believe in some deity or some god, It's just not a it's not a, a God who's like you're a father figure. And they tend to have problems forming normal, lasting relationships with other people, even even in adulthood. And what's amazing. So he's not talking about Muhammad at all, but we apply that to Muhammad. We say, wait a minute. Muhammad's dad died before he was born. Then uh, he's taken in by a foster family. They send him back to his mom because they think he's demon possessed. So he loses those relationships. His mom dies two years later. So she dies when he's six. Then he's taken in by his grandfather who dies when he's eight. So by the time Muhammad is eight, he has lost every single close relationship he's ever had. And the the idea is, if we look at that, The prediction is that that is is someone who, if he really exhibits the profile, he's going to rebel against authority and tradition. He's going to have a problem with father figures, especially with viewing God as a heavenly father, and he's going to have trouble forming normal, healthy relationships. And you look at Muhammad, what does he do? He rises up against his own society. He eventually subjugates them, violently subjugates them, forces them to submit to him. Um, He... uh, No one has a bigger problem with viewing God as a heavenly father than Muhammad. I mean, we read the Quran in Surah 19, where it says the heavens are about to fall apart because you say that 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 he's your father. Right. Um, The Quran mocks Jews and Christians for calling God their father. And so it's uh, it's the worst thing in the world you can do is call God a father, call Jesus a son, according to Muhammad. So. Once again, he he becomes this extreme fulfillment of of the profile. And as far as normal relationships, I mean, we mentioned, you know, the the issue with marrying Khadija, but then treating her like she's his mom. Uh, He takes the wife um, of his own adopted son. He takes his best friend's daughter when she's still a child. I mean, it's massive dysfunction all over the place. He adopts a son, but then abolishes adoption it's 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 massive dysfunction everywhere, and so he's a perfect fulfillment of this psychological profile but uh, part of part of what we see is continued down to uh down to our time that Muhammad is a massively controlling figure who can't handle any sort of rebellion against him and so on, and then you end up with uh, wife beating, um you end up with child marriage. You end up with adoption being outlawed. It's all of these problems that we see. They come from this one dude who's really, really messed up. And so we're in a world where women are still suffering as a result of this man's teachings. His teachings seem to be grounded in large part because of traumatic childhood experiences. So this guy's messed up psychologically. Then he gives messed up teachings, which again, even, they even noticed were a problem back then. They noticed that it's a problem. Aisha herself said that she hadn't seen any woman suffering as much as Muslim women were. And this problem continues down to our time. And it's just amazing that if we say, Hey, there's all this suffering of women in the Muslim world, and we can trace it all back to the teachings of one really messed up dude, maybe we need to address that will still to this day be called racists and bigots for daring to challenge. for You were talking 14 centuries. You're talking millions and millions of women who've been abused and oppressed over these 14 centuries. And we're still not even to the point where we can talk about it without someone needing to be a racist, if you're even mentioning this,
1: even though you're Arab. Yep, I know. Well, in the remaining minutes uh, that we have, uh, David, let's talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, folks, by the way, after we conclude in about uh, three and a half minutes from now, we will stay on the air, so we will address some questions. Brother, let's talk about, um, you know, a a different topic right now. Let's talk about Patreon support. Um, I wanted people to know that we have a campaign this year. Uh, Basically, we're aiming to raise 10 patrons per month. And here's the reason why. I discovered that we lose between 10 to 15 every month, actually. So even the 10, if we're successful in raising, they will keep us a little bit afloat or even break even, if you wish. But the reason why Patreon is important, it allows for monthly support. So there is a steady stream of commitment. But at the same time, I'm looking for people also who can have access to what we do and our teachings and spread it basically in their own Networks. Whether you have your own channel, you have your own uh, uh, platform, maybe just by emails and things like that. Um, anything you want to add in terms of why Patreon, for instance, is is a good way for people to partner with ministries like ours?
0: Oh, pay, Patreon's also awesome because, awesome because it's it's uh, it allows crowdfunding. Back back in the day, if you wanted to be if you wanted to do apologetics or something like that, you either had to get involved with an organization that already had a lot of momentum going or you you had to you basically had to spend years building support right and and getting people to send checks to support you and stuff like that whereas now with the internet and crowdfunding if if a bunch of your if if you have a thousand fans and they send you five dollars a month well the five dollars isn't a lot to them but if you have a crowd that's the idea of crowdfunding then it's huge and so um um, yeah, I would encourage everyone who's who's watching, especially if you came over here from from my channel to support uh, Sierra International, S. El Fadi's uh, ministry. In case you in case you don't notice, this stuff ain't cheap. This stuff ain't cheap. He has a he 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 has massively bigger uh, production costs than I do sitting in front of my bookshelf. So,
1: yeah. Well, God is good, brother. Thank you so much. And of course, I mean, uh, people think, you know, I, I receive pushbacks uh, sometimes thinking that we're, we're making a killing out of this. <laughs>
0: you know, I don't know anyone who's making a I I, I, a I
1: wish that's the case. Um, you know, not that we're here to make money. We're here really to be producing. I mean, if I'm making a killing and it's just for me, I won't be spending all this money to try to produce more videos, right? You know, we have hundreds of videos already out there and uh, we could be uh, doing something else but no that's not the case we want to produce more and more why because the work is not done yet
0: yeah and and, and really i'll I'll just say it very quickly the, the 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 goal is really to multiply right exactly i, I i'm not going to be doing this forever you're not going to be doing this forever right we want we want to be constantly bringing in new people training them sending them sending them out so that exactly because I I really I really believe that people are going to come along after us and they're going to do it better than us and so we we want to do we want to do our part and do it effectively and help other people start doing it get them started and and send them out there doing it
1: absolutely absolutely and uh, of course uh, we want to conclude right now the second part of our podcast let us reason however if you're watching us live please uh, stay put we will be uh, getting back to you in a few seconds here For those of you who are listening to the podcast, thank you so much. This is Al Fadi. Lord bless you.